Welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. This week, we're continuing our Great Banquet series, and we'll be hearing a talk from Catherine Doherty on staying power and perseverance. Let's send it over to Catherine. Here we go. Will you join with me um, in prayer, please? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Catherine Darty, and for the next few minutes, we are going to talk about staying power. As we get started, though, I want to share a confession with you all. It's about shoes. Yes. See, I really like shoes, and I am not alone. Did you know that women in the United States, on average, have about 17 pairs of shoes? That's, that's true. It's a fact. Shoes are great. They protect your feet, they can make an outfit, and they can teach you things about others. Like if they're practical, silly, trendy, serious, hardworking, shoes can give us insight into people and situations. So see, shoes have created really interesting stories for me in my life. It all started with my mom. As a young woman, she, had, she wore an 11 quint A, so that meant she had really long, really narrow feet. And she had a really hard time finding shoes. So when my dad went to my grandpa to ask for her hand in marriage, he said, sure, as long as you can keep her in shoes. And dad said, oh, okay, I think that's fine. Um, but little did he know the huge challenge that keeping this promise would be. So thus started the great shoe adventure. Well, that adventure um, continues with me as I inherited my mom's long, narrow feet. Um, I remember vividly, like yesterday, the first Thanksgiving I spent with my extended Darty family. I was wearing my favorite penny loafers, right, because I wanted to be comfortable and confident. So Aunt Mary said, Catherine, will you take the rolls out of the oven? Sure, I can do this. So I get the rolls out of the oven. I hand them to Aunt Mary. She looks down at my feet, and she says in this voice that really you can hear in the next county, Catherine, you have the longest, skinniest feet I have ever seen in my life. Now, the entire house went silent, and I was just, uh, you know, talk about a first impression. Oh, yeah, it was a good one. And I just wanted to crawl into that oven. I was so embarrassed. Then another time, my sweet, sweet husband, he noticed that his sister and I had on kind of the same color shoe, right? So he took her sweet little pump from her sweet little foot, and he set it inside the opening of my shoe. The opening? Yeah, okay. It was beautiful. Yep, we were married then, so, you know. It was what it was. Um, then several years ago, we remodeled part of our house, and it's 144 years old, and what's a little unusual about our house, and a lot of you know this, but it was, uh, for 110 years of its history, it was the parsonage for this church. It's where the pastor and their families lived. Well, when, we, when the demolition part of the project started, we gave specific instructions, don't throw away any treasures. Well, look what they found. These three 
very old shoes. Let's see. Okay, so for four weeks this summer, we have had lay speakers giving us different course, uh, this short course on Christianity. And I like to do reviews, so we're going to have a little review. So week one, we had Tom Payne. He talked to us about priorities. And he asked us, what do we think about? What do we spend our money on? And how do we, what do we do with our time? He encouraged us that when we put God first, that everything else falls into place. Then our second week, we had Rick Lonis, and he talked to us about God's gift of grace. He shared that provenient grace is the grace that comes before we know God, when he's wooing us. He reminded us that, love, that God loves us unconditionally and that there is nothing we can do to have God love us any more than he does right now, and there is nothing we can do to have him love us any less. He is crazy about us. Then our third speaker was Carla Lonis, and she talked to us about two more types of God's grace, justifying grace, and that's our response to God's grace, when we get to say yes to his invitation to accept him in our heart. Sanctifying grace, then, is our life in grace when we get to experience all God has in store for us, when the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. Then our fourth speaker this, in this series was Scott Riddle, and he talked to us about the importance of order. And he told us that sin is getting things out of God's prescribed order, that there are consequences to breaking spiritual laws, and the further we get away from God's order, the worse things get. It gets messy. We need to let go and let God be totally in control. He asked us, what is the first thing you think about when you hear the name of Jesus? So now my question to us this morning is, what are we going to do with all this information? How do we set our priorities and keep, God, keep things in God's order? We need staying power. Staying power. Okay, so how do we start this? First, we've got to start by loving God with our will. And what that means is trusting God completely. Maybe it's like when you get your favorite slipper and you just put your foot in and it just feels great. You are just loving that slipper, right? So we love God with our will. We gotta, we'd have to trust that God is, trusting God is not just a matter of emotions or intellect, but it's, how we, it's not how we happen to feel or think at a particular moment. It's letting go of what we think and feel and hold on to his promises. Like the promise in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you hope and a future. Or we have the promise from Matthew 6, 32 through 33. It says, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern your priority. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, you see there are times when choosing God's way will conflict with our personal feelings. There will be times when choosing God's will, God's way and his will, will not seem logical or, or reasonable. And I have a very recent example of this, of me loving God and doing what he wanted at Bible school. 
and some of these kids may be able to chime in with me, but it was the last night of Bible school. Our story was Jesus feeds the 5,000. I love this story. Jesus takes two fish, five loaves of bread. He blesses them, feeds 5,000 people, collects 12 baskets after. This is awesome. So we were on our way home from work. My plan, I was sharing with Kevin, my plan. Snack was popcorn. I just wanted to get a few kernels of corn and show the, the children how you can take a little and get a lot. Wow, this is awesome. So he says, um, I think you should pop popcorn. What? It, what are you talking about? This was not my plan. I didn't have things set out. He said, don't worry. While you are changing your clothes and your shoes, I will get the oil, I will get the popcorn, and I will get the popcorn popper. Mm. <clears throat> we have plenty of pre-pop popcorn. He said, um, yeah, but it'll still be a really awesome illustration. Oh. I said, I don't think there will be time to do the lesson, pop the popcorn, and for the kids to have the snack, time to eat their snack. And he said, I think it'll be perfect. <laughs> so, we pop popcorn. <laughs> And it was just amazing. So as I, I put in the oil and I put in the popcorn, we plugged it in and it started dancing around, right? And uh, we talked about how all the popcorn kind of looked the same, but it was all gonna pop at different times. And then we talked about how, that was kind of like us, that we all look kind of the same, but that God uses us in different ways and we all kind of pop at different times. And the oohs and ahs, and I turned the popcorn popper over and they saw the popcorn. Oh my gosh, it was so awesome. And if you wanna see it, Steve Ward videotaped it, so um, it was great. The kids from pre-K up to sixth grade, they pushed in, they were just watching with everything. So, um, you know, Kevin totally, God totally spoke through Kevin to me, and I let down my plan and I followed God's will, and it was awesome. To love God with our wills, we need persistence and perseverance. Persistence means to move steadily forward in the direction God is leading, to put on our shoes and go to him and to hold his hand and let him guide us. Perseverance means to persist in the face of difficulties and opposition, and we will have those, right? Even if our shoes fall off or the polish cracks, we won't let go of his hand no matter what. Now trust me, if there is a break in the bond between us and God, it is because we let go. It is not because he was not there for us. Matthew 28, 20 reads, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So how do we keep hold? When our shoes are gone and we can feel our fingers slipping, we need that staying power, that awesome power that comes from contact with Jesus and other Christians. Jesus is the way we grow in the life of God. He said to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. Order, priorities, there it is again. Oh, gosh. 
Contact with Jesus through prayer, study, worship, and the sacraments, they all renew and strengthen our relationship with him. It's the spiritual food we need to stay strong. Other Christians are a primary means by which we receive encouragement to continue walking with God and holding his hand. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 reads, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Contact with other Christians who share our priorities provide ongoing support and inspiration. It is so amazing how God speaks through others to encourage us and how God speaks through us to encourage others. God created us to be in relationship with each other. A lot of us learn that through COVID, the dangers of isolation. So we need to be connected and encourage each other to grow in our faith and our relationship with Jesus. We can be connected through worship and fellowship time, on service projects and on mission trips, through serving on church committees. There's lots of ways. But we cannot keep growing in our faith by ourselves. We need to be part of the body of Christ. Through uniting together, we encourage each other to be united with God and experiencing his grace. Now, small groups are another way to keep, help, help keep one another in God's grace. And there are several characteristics that I just want to share with you really quickly. They're usually small, um, somewhere three to ten members in the group. They're serious. They deal with significant issues, and they're a lot of fun. They need to be sincere. You need to feel open and honest to share and feel comfortable to do that. They need to be discreet. What is shared in a group meeting should be kept confidential and only shared with specific permission. It just really has to be a safe place to share. They need to be regular, ideally every week. And the idea there is that you make a commitment to show up. They say that 90% of life is just that, showing up. But by itself, showing up isn't transforming. But we will never experience real spiritual change if we don't get real with God. And these groups can help with that. They need to be short. So it's good to set a time limit. Usually somewhere 60 to 90 minutes is pretty common. And as far as leadership goes, that needs to change from time to time so that no one person has the sole responsibility for initiating discussion. And it's really good to let everybody have a turn. Small groups can take many forms. They can be organized after a spiritual retreat. They can be Sunday school classes or a Bible study group. Um, they can be men, women, couples. Matthew 18:20 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So you gather, Christ will show up. I was really active in a small group for over 20 years. We experienced life together. We had incredible blessings, babies, weddings, graduations, all the fun stuff. But we also experienced some really difficult times, divorce, terrible health issues, just struggles of all kinds. They supported me and my family when my sister, when my brother-in-law was diagnosed and passed away from ALS. That was a really rough time in our lives. 
They also came to my rescue when my dad was in a propane explosion where he was um, burnt over or just about 40% of his body. And they were there to celebrate with me when he had his complete recovery, as were many of you, for sure. <laughs> um, small groups don't have to be with people from your church. For a time, I was part of a group at work called the Power Hour. Oh, yeah. Um, really cool. Uh, we met most Fridays at lunch. And it was just a group of folks from across our company that met. We, uh, we studied the word. We encouraged each other. We prayed together. And for me, what was really cool about that was I saw some of the, the people that worked in my company in a very different light, that they, too, were brothers and sisters in Christ. And that was really cool. I've been part of different walking groups. Um, walking, discussing Jesus, and experiencing life is a great way to grow in my faith and be held accountable and get exercise, right? It's win-win. So um, I participate in Sunday school. We encourage each other there while growing in our faith. We study all sorts of things from traditional Bible studies to in-depth book studies. It really is awesome the way we grow and encourage each other. And we will be starting up soon. So if any of you are interested, let me know because we'd love to have you join. Um, these are all examples of connecting with other believers, encouraging one another, hearing the truth of God's word, praying together, and growing in our faith. Now, if you were saying to yourself, I just don't think I can squeeze one more meeting into my schedule, or maybe you're thinking, ah, I'm not comfortable in groups, that is just not my thing, or I can't share details of my life like that, Ooh. I encourage you to try. The power of the Holy Spirit in these groups is incredible. If you are part of a group, that is great and you are blessed. If you aren't and you're curious about what it might be like, take a chance. Join a group, Sunday school, men's group, Bible study, or have the courage to start a new group. Remember, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. I'm going to say that again. If you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. A life of grace is always a matter of choice. The choice is yours. The journey is yours. No two are alike, so we shouldn't ever compare our journeys with anybody else. Just make it a priority to get connected to the body of Christ. Now, back to the vintage shoes. My research shows they date back to the late teens or the early roaring 20s. They are modest shoes, probably worn for everyday work, and given the time frame, probably Sunday best. You may have noticed they aren't pairs, but they're three individual shoes. I learned from an antique dealer that it was often the case to leave one worn, loved shoe behind in the home when someone moved on. It was a sign of blessing, encouragement, and support for the home and the families that then followed them. Now, remember, the only people that lived in our home in that time were pastors and their families. So these shoes, for sure, were worn by the wives. And I'll tell you, every time I look at these shoes, I see the support from these women that has transcended time. And that kind of support has been so strong in this church I just wanted to share some examples of some of our legacy of caring and support that have helped connect us to the body of Christ. So we have Eleanor Roberts. Uh, when Kevin and I moved into the parsonage, she 
every week. Want to come to church? Want to come to church? She just said, come on, try it. Uh, Don and Wanda Dean, they took us under their wing to make sure we felt welcome and a part of things. They always helped us feel a part. Sally Gully, um, I was on bed rest with our son Parker from September 15th to December 19th. We had two small daughters at the time. So um, Sally came to Kevin and said, I, give me your Christmas list. I will buy all of your packages. I will wrap them and I will deliver them to your home on December 24th so you don't have to worry about that. Louise Bilta, she brought us grass seed and kept saying, I'm sure grass will grow in your front yard. <laughs> Keep the faith. <sighs> it's true. Jim and Joanne Trenkel, they always made time to listen and encourage us, always. And, and our children too, they just run over and, and there they were. Uh, Wallace Wesley, she helped us learn more about faith, love, and what a joy it is to be generous. And as I look out, I name all of you on those, that list of um, really important people that encourage from this church family. It is so powerful to see Christ in action here now. So I pray that you all have your own stories about this church family and how that they have encouraged you. You see, we have the opportunity to continue that legacy of connection and caring. So let's make the choice to put on our shoes, to use God's staying power, and go out into the world and work to get heaven into people by participating in the body of believers, by holding each other accountable, studying God's word, lifting each other up in prayer, and resting in the knowledge that God is always with us. He is crazy about us. Even in a world of great uncertainty, he is the same yesterday, today, and always. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.